If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Welcome to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life or are new to the faith, we invite you to join our discussion as we dive into theology, objections to the faith, common questions, and hot topics in an effort to better know, love, and follow Jesus Christ. Hello, and welcome to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jared Jernigan. With me to my right is Barrett Jackson. Hey, what's up, guys? Also, we have Sam Draper. Good morning. And Zach Rimsberg. Hello, all. And uh, so this morning, um, we are going to be um, continuing uh, kind of a discussion that we've had. Um, today, we're going to actually be talking about um, Abraham and God's covenant with him. So continuing what we've been saying about covenants. Um, so I don't know, uh, does anybody want to, uh, you know, I think we all understand who Abraham is. Um, do we want to review it all a little bit of what covenants are in kind of a minute or two form? Uh, that'd probably be probably be wise. Um, so a covenant is a special type of relationship of, uh, in a sense, pledging one's life to uh, another person. Um, now, this can take various forms. You have uh, kind of the modern example of the marriage covenant, uh, husband and wife pledging themselves to each other. In the ancient world, you could also have uh, kings and vassals uh, pledging themselves. Um, so you have a big king, kind of an emperor type, uh, and a vassal king, kind of a, a smaller kingdom that gets uh, absorbed by the empire. And the vassal king pledges uh, loyalty, pledges taxes, pledges... Um, you know, to uh, to serve the bigger king, and the big king, the emperor, pledges protection, pledges, um, uh, you know, if, if the little king gets attacked, big king comes in with his armies to uh, destroy uh, the enemies. So it's still, you get the sense of, it, not just a contract of, okay, you do this, I do this, but a uh, kind of a life pledge, sometimes invoking um, invoking the gods. Uh, if it's a pagan nation or or Yahweh uh, for the Israelites, that you know, if if I don't hold up my end of this uh, covenant, then may God strike me down, type of thing. So so more than just oh yeah, sign my name, you know, I gave you my word. It's you know before. Before the divine, I am pledging this. Um, I picture like uh, one of those kids movies where the, where the kids make those those packs. I mean, they're not making oh, like a blood brother. Yeah, like yeah, thing, yeah. They're like you cut your palm, I'll cut my palm. Right. We'll we'll make a in the kid in a kid world. I feel like that's the the biggest deal you could ever have. I don't know what. <laughs> No, I think that that is a good uh, good illustration because um, in in the the covenant world, it's almost like okay, if I if I fail to do this, then may my blood be shed. Like you know, 
more so than just you know cut my palm it's like yeah it is it is that big of a of a deal um and so far we've gone over um Adam and Eve, which isn't necessarily called out as a covenant, but it is a covenant that, that came to fruition, correct? Yeah. And, yeah. Or, or also called the Adamic. It, how do you say it? Um, Adamic. I mean, you can say it however you want. <laughs> Adamic uh, or the, the Eden, Edenic. We're talking about the Garden of Eden. Um, Edenic, okay. You know, yeah, I mean... It, it's that's one where you know sometimes it makes the list of covenant sometimes not but um it's easier to say the covenant with adam and eve (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah we looked at we looked at uh the early part of genesis uh with that kind of the, the covenant um god told adam and eve okay you can you can have fruit in my garden um but then there's this call to spread out, to multiply, in a sense, to grow the garden, uh, fill the earth and subdue it. Um, and there was this rule there about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil um, and this violation that uh, led to their uh, exclusion from the garden. Um, so, yeah, that was the first one we looked at. Yeah, and that was... Um... That was a conditional covenant, right? And then, and then we went on to Noah, which was which was unconditional, correct? Yes, yeah. I say I'd say most covenants are conditional in the sense that there are requirements, like you know, your, your marriage to your wife. That's a there's a sense which is unconditional. But there's also a sense of which, well, there are some expectations here that, you know, you don't go out and violate this covenant by committing adultery. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, I love you unconditionally, but I also kind of expect you to, to love me unconditionally. Sure. Um, but yeah, with the covenant with Noah, we don't necessarily see... Um, any of those conditions is God pledging, I'm not going to destroy the earth again. Right. It's um, not as black as white it was with Adam and Eve. Right. Right. Well, and I feel like it was much more, if I were calling right, God didn't, there weren't really requirements on Noah or humans. It was just God saying, I'm going to do this. But, but because <laughs> a covenant is a partnership, there's two parties to it. Sure. They're involved. Well, and he also says there that uh, uh, about the shedding of blood, that uh, he that God would require the blood of anyone who sheds blood. Um, so essentially you say that, okay, the, the thou shalt not murder part <laughs> yeah. is kind of what, what, you know, violence filled the earth before the flood. After the flood, God saying... Okay, let's try not to do that again. And with varying success. Mm-hmm. We've <laughs> sure. So, which brings us to uh, Genesis chapter 12. So, after the flood, you now that's uh, 6, 7, 8, 9. Um, chapter 10 is this uh, genealogy 
Uh, Noah's descendants are increasing. Then we get chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, uh, where uh, kind of the, the world is uh, speaks a common language and they try to build this tower up to heaven and God intervenes where kind of kind of before the flood there is at least less record of God's intervention um but it's almost as as though God says after the flood okay I'm going to be more involved here to try to course correct so we don't have to bring about kind of a worldwide destruction so God intervenes and he changes the language People spread out, and then in chapter 12, God calls uh, a single family, Abram. And I uh, just want to read uh, Genesis 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, this is before his name gets changed later to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. And make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and who and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so a couple of features here. Um, and this is, to be clear, this is the call of Abraham, the, the covenant we're going to look at in in a little bit. But God is, is telling Abram, all right, follow me, okay? Uh, leave where you're at, and, and I, will, I will show you where we're going. But he didn't tell him where he said, the land I will show you, <laughs> all right? First you got to leave, and then I'll, I'll show you on the way. But, he, but there at the end, this, I will, in you all families of the earth will be blessed. So I've tried to make the case that from Genesis 3, you know, God promises that a seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And the rest of Genesis is asking that question is who is going to be the seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent? And I think Noah's father thought Noah was going to be the one because he named him Noah saying he'll deliver us from our toil. That was part of the curse. Uh, of Genesis 3. And so if this uh that promise had been passed down generation and generation, here God is telling Abram, okay, through you I'm gonna bless everybody. Well, what's the greatest blessing? It would be destroying the serpent and undoing Genesis 3. So I think that's ultimately what God was getting at, whether or not Abram understood that or not, I don't know, but definitely we we get this uh, uh, sort of sense of the messianic um, promise that God is going to do something through Abram's family, um, which I, I think becomes pretty significant. Um, an event later on, we'll, we'll see if we have enough time to get there. Uh, so from Genesis 12, you know, Abram follows God and, you know, he's kind of growing in his understanding. And Abram's like 75 at this point. Okay, he's 
he's a, he's an elderly man um maybe not quite by biblical standards <laughs> from early genesis but uh he's he's definitely he talks about he's past childbearing age um in genesis 15 we get the the actual covenant all right and so god tells abram um let's see starting in verse 7 of chapter 15 and he said to him i'm the lord who brought you out of ur of the chaldeans and give you this land to possess but he said oh lord god how am i to know that i shall possess it God said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, a young pigeon. And Abram brought these, all of these, cut them in half and laid them, laid each half over against each other, but he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down the carcass, Abram drove them away. So, so we got this picture of this, uh, this heifer, a, a goat, a ram. And a couple of birds, and the uh, the heifer, the goat, and a ram sliced in two. Okay, I picture it kind of lengthwise, sliced in two, and the and the sides are laying down, and you got this line of carcasses. Okay, uh, verse twelve. And the sun was going down; a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell on him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that's not theirs, and will be servants there. That's talking about Egypt. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, shall be buried in old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river Egypt to the great river Euphrates, the land of all the, all the different peoples there. So you picture this ceremony, this ritual with this flaming this pot and this flaming torch um walking down this aisle of carcasses in a sense god is pledging himself saying may it be to me as these carcasses if i don't do this if i don't uh, bring your people out of this land they're going to to be servants in and give them this land that i promise mm. you Wow. Okay. Yeah. I never understood it that way. It's uh, powerful. Sure. Pretty strong. <laughs> bold move. Bold move. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, God. God is known for for bold moves. Um, he uh, and okay, being God, okay, there's there's nothing to prevent him <laughs> from accomplishing this. So, what's sure. up with the birds not being cut in half? Uh, probably just because they were small. <laughs> yeah, they were just dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think even not. I don't get into the details. I'll admit sometimes of things in Leviticus later, but I feel like that's kind of consistent with the way I remember 
them doing things later on, you know, mm-hmm. the large things they would cut. But yeah, the birds was like, here's a dead bird. Well, I was just thinking about <laughs> what he, what Abram at this time had to, to do to cut these in half. Think about how difficult that would be with the tools at his disposal at that mm-hmm. time, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, did think, he, you know, did he know where God was going with this when he was yeah. told to do this? Probably not. He, yeah. Yeah. And, and it speaks to Abram's faith, Abraham's faith that, you know, you sometimes a guy calls you to do something. You don't quite understand it yet. And you're like, I guess I'll, it'll make it clear towards the end. But so the promises that God has made both the messianic promise through you, all peoples will be blessed. The covenant that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations and, and is going to have this land so that later in chapter 21, when God says, all right, I want you to give me Isaac. Okay. So this son of the promise is eventually comes about when Abraham's a hundred years old, his wife is 99. And they have this child. And then God says, all right, I want you to sacrifice him to me. And he was like, Abraham does it. Like, okay, next morning. All right, Isaac, let's go. And they they go to this place and he builds an altar. And Isaac's looking around like, okay, where's, <laughs> we got the wood, we got the knife, we got the, where's the, where's, where's the, the offering? sacrifice? <laughs> it's like, yeah, funny you should mention that, Isaac. Mm-hmm. Hop up here. Let me tell you a story. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he, the book of Hebrews tells us that Abraham reckoned that God would bring Isaac back from the dead because God had made these promises. Sure. Abraham knew if, even if he killed Isaac, God's promises depend on Isaac. So either God is going to show himself a liar on these covenants that this covenant that he's made or God is going to do something miraculous. Oh, wow. Cause I mean, at that point that was their only son. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. Yeah. So, so he trusted, okay, God, we had two sons, but at that time, that was the son of the promise. Yeah. He, he had a, you just so, say their only son. That's correct. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he, so Abra, Abraham had an, uh, I mean, we would call it an affair. He had permission from his wife, though, to to have a son with their with her servant, and um, that caused a whole bunch of drama. And I said, "No, that's that's not that's not the one." Right. <laughs> so that's so the child of the promise was Isaac. Right. And at at the point of Genesis twenty one, Abraham understood that. So yeah, he was. He knew that, okay, whatever God's asking him to do, God's got a plan. Wow. It's incredible. Okay. Yeah. Well, and um, I know there's, there's more to the, you know, to the covenant. How does circumcision play into this? I know that's kind of a whole, kind of listed as a separate kind of covenant, you know, kind of in its own section in 17, I believe. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I've been talking quite a bit, so Zach, why don't you, <laughs> why don't you give us a lowdown yeah, on, just, on yeah. circumcision? Uh, well, 
Dr. Draper, thank you for passing that over to. <laughs> You're the doctor. You should cover the medical in this section. Uh, can you repeat the question, Jaron? Um, no, I just have. So as you read through the story of Abraham, which, you know, kind of goes on more than a lot of others in Genesis, uh, you know, they kind of return to this idea of covenant a couple of times. So when we get to 17, it talks about the covenant of circumcision. So I guess my first thought is, is that a separate covenant? Is that part of the same covenant? Well, it was the sign of the covenant. Okay. So I don't necessarily, I personally would not necessarily add this as a, you know, we, we've used the term conditional or unconditional or whatever. I don't, I wouldn't even see this necessarily as a condition within this covenant. Okay. That's unconditional as a whole. Um, but as in, you said 17, starting in 10, <laughs> So this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. First off, think about not being eight years old and having that done at the time. Wait a minute. Which is done later on as well. Why would you say it's not conditional? This is which part? To be circumcised. You and your descendants have this continual responsibility. Yes. This but it is, doesn't this say if you're not covenant. circumcised, you're going to lose the covenant. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Well, okay, verse 14. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Yes, hmm. but it's the responsibility of... Okay, so perhaps that was worded improperly. The covenant itself is still unconditional. Yeah, God God is going to make, God is going to uh, bring his people through Isaac. He's going to deliver them from Egypt. He's going to bring about the Messiah. Whether... Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. it's whether whether you if you get cut off from the people, well, you're missing out, but it doesn't mean God's going to abandon His plan. Yeah, it's like Abraham covenant. Bullet point A is circumcision. <laughs> if you if you and if you don't get circumcised, you're going to be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. But it's still, I, I mean, you can even look. I mean, there's an example. Um, during the exodus of where they had not circumcised that generation and they stopped and did it before they no you're you're right before they got you know god god didn't be like well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna nobody's done this there can be conditions for individuals within an unconditional promise yeah but which is in my view is what this is yeah but but god but god doesn't say okay it's null and void I'm not going to do it now. Right. I understand because because you didn't do it. Right. So, but th- those are very very good questions, and you know the so, so this is so the covenant with Abraham gets passed on generation to generation. So uh, he renews it with Isaac. He renews it with Jacob. Um, kind of coming to them in kind of a special way and saying, hey, what I promised your father Abraham, I now promise to you. 
And the, the covenant is a, or the circumcision is a reminder of that, that, um, because it's, it's one of those things like you, you can't ignore it. Right. Um, when, when a Jewish person is out in the world, they have this, or a Jewish male, I should say, they have this physical reminder that there, there's something different about them compared to the pagans, you know? And, um, so it's, and some people talk about a matter of hygiene and, and stuff like that. But, um, I think the, the major significance is that it is, um, just this physical reminder you can't you can't ignore because it it sets you apart right yeah it's it's a physical mark that of the covenant that god made with abraham but i guess a question that i just kind of have is what does that mean for christians today if anything in regards to circumcision being that uh, the bulk of, of Christians today are Gentiles. You know, it is not a... Circumcision is, is not a requirement. Um, we have a greater, you know, and that's baptism. Covenant. Okay. Yeah, well, greater covenant with Jesus. I was going to say the new covenant kind of is where <laughs> I was kind of hoping to go with this. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. We have... Uh, this the the new covenant with Jesus, and and we are baptized into that covenant, and it's not a matter of the flesh. And the New Testament makes clear that because that was a big argument they had: the Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians, should they be circumcised to be considered part of the covenant people? And Paul's answer was: Paul and the early church was like, no. Because the work of Christ is greater than this surgery. <laughs> you, you're going to say that, okay, all the work of Christ is null and void unless you have, have minor surgery done to you. Then what does that say about the power of, of Christ? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, thanks for addressing that. That helps. Yeah. And... I will say I, I do admire all of us that, that given our, our history, we'd be able to to get through this topic without a whole lot of <laughs> comments. Yeah, there there are one or one or two stories in the Old Testament that yeah do maybe have a little fun with the topic, but yeah, we don't have to get into that. So, <laughs> all right. So that's the covenant with Abraham, and it gets passed on, and and. You know, the, the exodus was not a surprise to God. Um, he works things out through... Wait, back, exodus. The, just, just clarify. The, the slavery of the people of Israel in exodus. He'd already told Abraham, this, this is what's going to happen. Um, because there's going to... So Abraham... Son Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons, one of whom was Joseph, who gets sold into slavery in Egypt. But that's actually God putting him in the right place at the right time to eventually save his family from a famine in the land of Canaan. 
Israel moves to Egypt and uh, multiply. They're there for over 400 years. But eventually they become slaves. But then God, in the book of Exodus, brings them out um, and, uh, and makes a covenant with them. And that will be the covenant we talk about next. Okay. Oh, and I guess that might be a good cliffhanger on which to leave us all. So unless anybody has anything to close us. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah.